Craft Beer Radio, man, on episode 378 on 420, 2016, man. Well, they'll stone you when you're trying to be so good. And welcome to Craft Beer Radio, where everybody must get stoned. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, it's 420. Um... We're doing it on a Wednesday because Jeff was a little sick last week, this weekend. No, so Jeff drank too much on Saturday. I didn't have, didn't have to go into it, but <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I own my mistakes and I uh, got carried away. It's a little Pittsburgh craft beer week thing. Mm. And the thing is, I didn't drink too many beers. I just drank too strong beers. <laughs> I can see where that could come in. Uh... Like when I was done, like we we left Whole Foods and I I was feeling good, but I'm still planning on doing the show. And as we're leaving, I'm getting drunker and drunker and drunker. I'm like, holy crap, what happened? I and... hear you. So we're not going to do a whole bunch of shows because it is a Wednesday. It is a work night for both of us. So but we have some. We have four uh, beers that we're interested Pretty in. Pretty interesting right? ones, so, yeah. yeah. Let's start with the uh, Dogfish, the Raison d'Extra. Okay, so Raison d'Extra. Do you know what year this is from? Um, Last year or two. It's not super duper old. Okay, so... Uh, Raison d'Etre is the, um, it's a, it's brewed with raisins. It's kind of a brown ale, I think. Uh, I wouldn't call it a brown ale, but it's, it has the amber coloring to it for yeah. sure. So Raison d'Etre is, is sort of a, a double. I, okay. They do call this a brown ale right on the yeah. label. Same old raisins, basically a bigger version of Raison yeah. d'Etre. And I don't see a vintage mark on this. It's not brand new. It's probably a year old or so. So consider it a um, imperial brown with raisins as a as a extra. It's something like uh, it's above ten percent. I believe. Yeah, this label doesn't have the ABV on it. it doesn't have the vintage on it. Of course, why would you? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't see any kind of a ink. Oh, on wow, it. I didn't realize it was that much. It's 18%. 18. I should have poured smaller samples. I guess we'll be <laughs> dumping some of this out. It is Wednesday, after all. Okay. So the color is a tan, reddish tan, dark. How clear is yours? I got some yeasty, like, Not clumps very floating in mine. Not very clear. No, it's definitely yeasty, clumpy for sure. There, yeah, now that I, I hear there's lots of little floaters. The aroma is very sweet. You know, knowing that there's raisins in it, you can kind of get that smell, like almost like when you open up one of those little boxes of sun-made raisins. You know, like the smell from the box, um, or maybe like. A little bit to me, it's reminding me of like when the box is like empty and you like you smell all the raisin residue on the. On the yeah, cardboard. yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. There is some marking here, but it's been faded. It's been uh, rubbed yeah, off, so I can't I can find it. I don't see... Oh, oh, there it is. Um... I can't make that out. No, it's a mystery. Doesn't matter. So the original release date of this beer was in 2007. So this has to be older than that. So newer than that. Newer than that. Yeah, Later newer date. Than that, yes. Yeah. 
No, this is definitely not from the yeah. original vintage or anything like that. Yeah, so there's that raisin. There's kind of like a... It's really sweet and maybe a little bit of plum, some toffee in the aroma. And no real hops in the aroma, you know, but especially with the age on this thing. And Raison d'Etre is not mm. a hoppy beer either. Yeah. Uh, they, they do mention on here they use a Belgianese, so... Mm. There's probably will be some very interesting fruity compounds coming off of this. It doesn't pour with a lot of carbonation, but when I took a sip, I almost coughed because it kind of zinged the back of my throat. So there's a surprising amount of carbonation on this thing, for being 18%. They also add beet sugars. It was interesting because the what I'm tasting... Let me try that again because... Mm-hmm. We get a lot of like brown sugar up front, mm-hmm. um, you know, close to molasses, like, and so a, a great deal of sweetness, a bit of fruitiness, a bit of sort of plum and and dark, uh, you know, dark grape <laughs> raisin uh, fruitiness. So so think about the concentrated sweetness of a raisin, and, right? And then this. Yeah, I, the, you mentioned the brown sugar. I, I think that's a decent call because it's something we're more familiar with. If mm-hmm. you kind of imagine what, you know, you know, if you peeled a whole bunch of raisins and had the inside goop and you, like, fermented that, you know, that I mean, because that's kind of a molasses brown sugar yep. thing mm-hmm. too, right? And kind of draw that connection from brown sugar. And like, yeah, I guess it is a little more fruity, a little more, um, oh, also, what else? What else do... What do we have that has like raisins, but not like whole? Like I'm trying to think of a dish that might have like ground, up, like instead of whole raisins, uh-huh. like baked in a muffin or something like that. But like having like raisin paste in it, like that. Has... Well, I mean, a baklava has raisins in it, right? So and, and okay. it's sort of a sweet addition. Um, there, there are fruitcake has a yeah. you know considerable raisin component. I'm just trying to think, like, is there anything like a fig Newton, but where it's like raisins? raisins. I'm not really sure about that one, but they're they're not you they're more used. Uh, they're not used as much in America, I think, for culinary things than they are overseas okay. in other areas. Yeah, I think you're right. You see a lot more ethnic food with yeah. with raisins as additives. This is pretty good. Um, it's really good. One another thing that, that's here is that there's a lot of um, the there's a high percentage of alcohol and that is giving it a whole texture that is uh it really it, it sort of smooths out the the bumps in the texture yeah and it's big and malty so it has this basic feel of a barley wine i'm not saying it's like spot on or anything but it's this basic barley wine feel with this fruity raisiny mm-hmm. uh, with the booziness it's not it doesn't taste boozy but with the higher alcohol there's kind of this like liquorish yep. type character to it and um it's it's good to sip it's um I'm enjoying this. Yeah, it, age has only done good things to this. There's no um, like I'm not getting an oxidation, like I'm not even getting like a sherry note. Yeah, uh, it's it just feels concentrated and very, very, uh, very pronounced in its flavors. So there's not a huge like variety of flavors you're getting, but you are getting a very deep expression of those flavors. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I feel bad about 
for sure not going to be as well. Having to dump it out. Yeah. I don't want to dump it out. Do you want to grab another glass and just set it aside? Or do you want to talk about it some more? We can talk about it some more. We, maybe we can bring up a yeah. news story. Yeah, there's a little news story. Anheuser-Busch bought another brewery. You may have heard of these guys. Mm-hmm. Devil's Backbone Brewing Company in Virginia. Yeah. Uh, pretty surprised. You know, I mean... Sometimes you're, like, not so surprised, and other times, like, you know, when Cigar City merged with the Oscar Blues Company, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, yeah, you know, people were talking about Cigar City selling and being a prime target for sell. You know, I didn't see Devil's Backbone. I mean, they have two, three locations, I think. They have definitely two locations. I think they have a third, smaller one, and, uh, you know, they're making really interesting beers i mean it, you know growing a business is hard right access to capital is really nice they didn't really fit the mold of aging brewery owners looking for a retirement plan so that was kind of what i thought was interesting about that one hmm. well it, i think we're in a we are in a period now where we're going to see a lot of consolidation mm-hmm. uh and so you're not just going to see people like I mean and you're seeing it with Oscar Blues and and Dark City you're going to see those kind of things happen yeah. you're going to see and, and Victory and yeah. Southern Tier yep so you're going to see more of that in addition to big companies buying that so you're going to you're def- there's definitely going to be a consolidation of the market there's still going to be low at the low level like around you a bunch of breweries uh, you know and but that was that will vary it'll be sort of like pizza shops and uh, you know local restaurants so some will stay some will go. Most of them, it's past the point where most of them will break out and become national, I think. So yeah. it, it can happen, right? It, it can always happen. It can always happen. But, but yeah, I mean, there's so many out there. The odds of one place being the next stone yeah, that, yeah is, is difficult. I wonder, you know, one of the things that the Brewers Association always points out, and, you know... I think I put more stock into it now than I ever have in the past. And that is access to like shelf space and tap lines and things Mm -hmm. with, you know, with um, devil's backbone being part of Anheuser-Busch's group, right? Now they have a huge sales force out there pushing to get devil's backbone on the shelves. Well, to get devil's backbone on the taps. Well, consider this though. Anheuser-Busch is not the only beer supplier. And... No, but you have people out in the field talking to the people who order beers. Yes, but but there is a premium, at least right now, on uh, beer, on places who distribute beer to have a large selection. And Mm -hmm. the problem with having just Budweiser beers there is that they're cannibalizing each other. (laughs) So... While Budweiser does have under its, you know, a, a decent selection of, of craft beers under its, uh, under its umbrella, right. that's still not enough to take over an entire, um, uh, to 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 take over an entire shop. The beer shops right now are in general selling yeah. to. I mean, I'm a not so much. I'm that. not so much talking about Devil's Backbone competing with Oscar Blues. I'm talking about Devil's Backbone competing with local packaging brewery you know that kind of thing and you know i'm like i said i'm starting to put more stock into the brewers association argument about that part of the industry in particular well i like it, it it's one of the reasons it's one of the many reasons why it will be hard for smaller breweries to mm-hmm. break in 
right. to break through. Um, definitely, definitely plays a role. Because yeah, that's yeah, now it's going to be harder to find space for it. You get frontage of two six packs, yeah. Yeah. you know, compared to you know now Devil's Backbone might be easy to get frontage for twelve, fifteen different six packs. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, it it, it, it you certainly get lost on the shelf and dusty. It plays a role, it's, but it's a complicated thing. It's not mm-hmm. the only. Yeah, you know, solving that won't solve all the problems. Sure, but yeah, it it is one of the many aspects that puts a ceiling uh, on, on growth for a lot of places. New Glarus is going to start selling canned brews sometime this summer. I wonder if that means they'll start distributing. No. No? No. No. They'll probably can Spotted Cow and, you know, a couple of the other mainstream flagship type beers. But they're never leaving Wisconsin, man. They can't Why make not? A, they can't make enough beer for Wisconsin. And, I mean, unless... Dan and Deb Carey change their minds drastically. That's the kind of brewery they are. They're a Wisconsin brewery. They want to serve the Wisconsin market. Well, I mean, business is business, and that can change. But you know, they seem like two people that are very much the spirit of the craft community. And I don't see. And hold on, hold on. The spirit of the craft community, yes. that's sort of a no-true Scotsman, right? I mean, uh, there no. is no one spirit of the craft community. The, the, the kumbaya, uh, not the kumbaya, but the, the, the one, the romantic one that everyone thinks, you know, the most people listening are thinking of, you know. If it can be, if it can be assigned to any person in particular, I think Dan and Deb Carey are going to be near the top of that list. This is one of those. I'm things. not. I'm not arguing that it's a good. No, no, no. I, this is one of the things that it's. It, it's sort of impossible to say because there's always going to be people who disagree and agree on it. It, it, it. It's. It's. It's almost a religious question. I think you're the only one that's going to disagree with this one. No, I. I, I, I I'm teasing. Teasing. Four twenty. <laughs> um, no, I mean, but you know, just everything I've seen about New Glarus from New Glarus is that you know. They are not going outside of Wisconsin until Wisconsin is satiated with enough new Glarus. I need some more spotted cow. And um, I know. I, I wanted two. But it's not coming here. It's not even going across the border to Minnesota or whatever's next. Whatever okay, here's, okay, here's my challenge. And come on, other brewers. You got, you got your act together and you beat... Uh, you beat Russian River at the Pliny game. You've okay. been able to do that. Why can't you beat New Claris at the, at the Spotted Cow, Cow game? game? It, it's not a big, shiny award to win. I suppose. But it sells a lot of beer. They, well, they do sell a lot of beer. I mean, Spotted Cow is like the Wisconsin mm. beer. Yeah. As for, from, from my you know apparent position here on Earth. And... But it's depends on who you talk to. But I don't think anyone other than you is going to be like when you say New Galeris. Actually, you know what? Some of the locals who've been drinking it for years, and that's their that's what's filling their fridge. Them and you, but no one out of Wisconsin is is hankering over the spotted cow compared to yeah. It must sound like when people around here talk about Yingling. Right, and we're like kind of, yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I don't think anyone outside of Wisconsin who wants the Wales bro is hankering over Spotted Cow. I agree, it's yeah. delicious, it's amazing. 
Well, speaking of whales, bro. Whales. <laughs> That's the rest of the show. Yeah. So, I don't know. We got a big whale here. Let's do the Sonoma next. Okay. I mean, this is going to be a pallet wrecker. I think this is what we finish the show with. All right. I mean, it's all on the show notes, so it's not like <laughs> secrets, a secret. Secrets. So, on to our next beer, which is the second of the Sonoma Prides that I brought back from Russian River. This is Sonoma Pride Amasa. Uh, the other one was a um, was more heavily hopped than this. Uh, extra dry, domesticated wild ale, they call it. 4.5%. So a nice... Uh, nice smooth transition. <laughs> eighteen down From to five. Eighteen to five. Four and a half. Four and a half. Nice. Poured with a giant head. Yeah. Highly carbonated. Yeah. This is in what size bottle is this? Is it a half liter? I don't know. They don't have information. Uh, Five hundred and ten milliliters. So it's it looks like the Pliny bottle. I think it's Pliny the Elder bottle, but Sonoma Pride. It's a heavier glass. Holds a lot of carbonation, and. Um, yeah, poured with a big head. Pours very, actually, actually, it looks like there's greenish highlights to this golden straw-colored beer. Like I got this reflection on my glass, and the very bottom looks a little green. Oh, really? <laughs> you okay over there? Yeah, I'm fine. Four twenty. I wanted to cough at. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking advantage of the day. So yeah, it, you're right. It does have like a greenish color. Vaguely. So yeah, like I think of the um the crayola crayon that is like kinda like lemon lime, you know, like something like that, like lime on. You know, it's kinda like that color. Big like I said, big shaving cream, frothy head. The first thing I smell in the nose is Britannomyces, kind yeah. of a little leathery um type character. There's a nice spiciness there, a little bit of like white pepper, a little bit of um, wheat in the aroma. Hmm. When you said pepper, it clicked on something for me. Not black pepper, white pepper, but green pepper. Green peppers. If you taste it, you may you may taste a little bit of that sort of bite that a green pepper can have. That taste took me back to Falling Rock for some reason. Like one of the one of the Russian River beers I had at Falling Rock at, out of JABF. It just something back there. I don't think I'm pretty sure I did not have this beer, but it kind of mm-hmm. like time warped me like whoop, back to there. And uh, very nice combination of flavors. Mm-hmm. You get. Um, I'm gonna take another sip. Well, I gotta think things like supplication or other stuff mm-hmm. had similar yeast yeah, in there, yeah. so that would make sense. I, I'm not really pulling anything that's. It's a real pull for me to get the green pepper. I'm not going to get there. Okay, uh, it, it's a so this beer is really, um, it's very naked. There's it's it's simply expressing um, a like I said a sort of a wild yeast that's been tamed. There's a wild yeah. Down. There's that the the main core of the flavor is kind of this wheat wheated beer type mm-hmm. flavor but there's these interesting things around the edges i got a little bit of radish i got a little bit right, of right. uh so what i mean by naked is like there's no 
there's no fruit in there to distract you. There's not, not an overwhelming amount of hops in there to distract you. It, it, you're just getting a base beer and then what the yeast is doing to it. There's coriander in here, isn't there? I do not believe so. Really tastes... The last two sips I had really taste like coriander. That's just what comes out of the yeast, I, man. I, I believe you. So, but, I mean, it's it's so coriander. It's in, it's letting the yeast essentially tell their story. And, it's a, and I really appreciate the um like i said the nakedness of this the way it's just all right here is an expression of this yeast here's what it can do uh and they're giving it a, you know a, a really nice set of to, to give you a, an idea where this analogy goes they're giving it a very, very nice palette to work with with the with the beer underneath so that the yeast itself can take all those colors and paint a nice picture for it this is like a table beer i mean this mm-hmm. is something that you want to have with dinner it i'm i'm Chicken, chick, like so chicken with capers. You know, yeah, something kind of light, right? You don't want something too gamey. You don't want something with a lot of acid, you, like tomato you could, sauce. You could or something. use some kind of like you know white fish or something like that. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm like I'm I'm feeling like chicken with capers. Uh, maybe you know some kind of uh, salad with you know some some nice nice bitter greens to it. But yeah, I think I think the trick is that you don't want. If you're going for a flavor combination here, you don't want one aspect of the food to overwhelm any aspect of the beer. Uh, you want a sort of melange. So you want you want something that's relatively yeah. light in flavor so mm-hmm. that they'll go together and sort of cross their flavors as opposed to a little bit of this helping a, a large right. flavor from like a big steak or something. Yeah, this this is not a beer I don't think that I would appreciate as much if I wasn't critically analyzing it yes. on the show. Eating it with food. If I was just ordered at the bar, I don't think I would appreciate it like I am right now. I think that's true. I think this is not, and I don't know how, how much they sell these at the bar. I mean, I don't even know if this was on tap, but this was available in, in the shop. And I think this right. is the, you know, it's very much the intention that they have mm-hmm. that these are uh, enjoyed this way. You know, I don't see them. Breaking up a whole, you know, a whole bunch of taps of Sonoma Pride across oh, sure. the city. So no, it's probably bottle conditioned. Yeah. I think everything, the Sonoma Prides are probably all bottled. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a couple token drafts at the pub, but it's not going to be on draft around town. I, I really would doubt that. But yeah, I mean, just just in general, you know, like this one needs a nice quiet environment to mm-hmm. drink. If you're in a noisy room, I don't think you're going to taste this one the same way. Yeah. You have to be paying attention to to enjoy this stuff with the beer because, like I said, it is very naked, and you have to listen to what the yeast telling you. It's also a beer that I don't think that I would have enjoyed five or six years ago. I mean, I would have probably said, "Oh, that's really neat," but I wouldn't have gotten uh-huh. what I'm getting out of it now. Yeah, no, it, it's it's almost, and this sounds too cliche, so I, I I hesitate saying it, but it's it's almost like what the beer's not giving you. You know, it's because it, because of the nakedness, and because you're mm-hmm. pulling out some of these like things. Because the Brett isn't doing the Brett thing, because you know the hops aren't doing the hop thing. You know, because of what it's not doing, you're getting to enjoy like a very you're saying, a candid look at the beer. You're saying it's usually it's utilizing the negative space that the other yeah, yeah kind of sort yeah would would put in there, and it, so it's showing you. Uh, yeah, because it, it's a, it's a relatively simple beer, but the complexities that can come out of a simple beer are simply by 
letting the yeast have a good palate to work with are are very pretty. And sometimes it does take a little bit of. I don't want to discourage people, uh, but with anything, when you get a better understanding of it, you can appreciate things more than you appreciate things that would have seemed incongruous to you before. They would have seemed awkward. Right. And that's just with anything. And it happens to be that we've been doing this for 10 years. So I think we can appreciate this more than just a person who's starting out. So if you're just starting out, grab this beer, save it. And, uh, and have it in a couple of years. I don't, know I, bet the, it, I don't think this beer has a super long shelf life. Who knows? It's bottle condition o- with ox- bread. Oxi- so. Yeah, oxidation would ruin the kind of flavors we were getting. You know, it's it's not... You don't really want it to get funky bread. You know, I, yeah, I, I just think true. it's kind of, kind of spot on right now. I think you're probably right. So then maybe what you should do is... Just look for something equivalent to it later. Yeah, well, like... Not not considered a whale to get right now. Considered a whale to get in the future at some point. Once you've tasted everything else. Yeah. yeah. No, I like that. Because, yeah, it is sort of once you've tasted... Once you have had a huge variety, then you, you start finding yourself really appreciating something that's this simple. Well, we were talking about has, Spotted Cow a moment ago. Yeah, right. And Spotted Cow is one of those, right? I don't think... Someone who's diving into craft beer won't necessarily appreciate Spotted Cow as much as someone who's tasted everything and then finds a refreshing beacon of light in Spotted Cow. I think that's an excellent point. All right. So our next beer, and if you want to queue up any music for the commercial, feel free. This is the New Belgium and Oud Bercil Transatlantic Creek 2016. Purchased here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Well, well, well. Well, well. Aha! There it is. Speaking of purchasing things, oh, that's a red beer. I knew that. I just forgot how red. Um, If you want to purchase things, you know, everybody is shopping on the Amazons these days. It's like where the cool kids do. Yeah. You can buy all kinds of nasty stuff on Amazon. Look at the difference in color there. Oh, I guess not. We're using our, our commercial to analyze the beer. Sorry. <laughs> Look at all the... I was saying you can buy all kinds of nasty things on Amazon. So when, when you do that, use the craftbeerradio.com You can't buy weed. Slash yet. Amazon. It's 420. Smoke weed every day. Craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon is the place you want to go to start your session because it helps link us in for referral and costs you not a penny more. But instead of you giving all your money to that behemoth Amazon, you're supporting a local small business. I wonder if they radio. sell bongs. Maybe like water pipes. They almost certainly do. <laughs> we, okay... Post show, we will find the best weed paraphernalia we can on Amazon. Okay. All right. On to New Belgium's Transatlantic Creek. We haven't done this beer on the show ever. And I've only had it once or twice. I had it at Saver a couple years ago. And I might have had it when I was out of Fort Collins last time. But uh, it's a it's a collaboration between new belgium and um old bursel 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 
a brewery in Where Belgium. Belgium. There we go. Yeah, this button just didn't work out for me. So. I told you it didn't work. Didn't we switch them? We switched them. Yes, we switched. This is a wood aged sour cherry ale. Okay, so here are the beer facts 8% alcohol by volume, 8 IBUs. The hops are Willamette hops. These are lager yeast. In the malt bill, we have pale malt, red wheat, carapils, and roasted barley. They blend the above described lager and sour beer and then mix it. They blend it with the uh, cherry lambic. A ratio of 50% Creek, 25% Sour Felix, and 25% Golden Lager. So I guess... Um, Felix is the Golden Sour, right? They have Oscar right. and Felix, and I think yeah. Felix is the Golden one. Actually, you know what? I had Oscar... I had, I, had, I had Apple Felix at Whole Foods on Saturday at the beginning of the reason I had to cancel the show. <laughs> and it was pretty good. Morello cherries are also added. So, there you go. Poor, poor, it's it's a red, it's crystal clear. Yes. But it's a deep red beer. Almost, almost bloody. <laughs> Not quite as dark. I almost said blood red, but yeah. it, it doesn't quite have the same kind of brightness to yeah. it. It's, it's definitely more, more. Um, I would say darkness. Blood is darker than this. I'm thinking uh, of the. Yeah, yeah, there's a little bit of purpley in the beer. Uh, it poured with the head, but it's fallen down. And the thing smells like a cherry pie. <laughs> it smells like cherry pie filling. Lots of cherries. If it doesn't smell like cherry pie filling, it smells. It has that, and then maybe a little bit of. What would be on top of it? So, yeah, there, there's. Underneath, there's the sour cherry pie, but there's also. Just a little, a little uh, bready, like a little uh, French bread aroma on top, or something. Okay, yeah, I, I can go there. So this is the Creek from Old Bruxelles, and, uh, and Felix blended with it. Big cherry flavor. It's kind of a tart cherry. Uh, doesn't taste like it doesn't taste like cherry pie it tastes more like eating cherries off the tree the tartness comes in later it doesn't i mean it's there but it really starts to build later i'm starting to get uh-huh. a little, oh yeah late yeah. in the taste it kind of makes you it digs into your to pucker, tongue yeah. makes you pucker a little bit yeah but the actual right initial taste is kind of like finding some really juicy mm-hmm. sour cherries right off the tree biting into them and you get that really crisp, fresh taste. Yeah, this is probably the furthest thing from medicinal. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've tasted in, in like a cherry beer. There is this tastes very like very fresh fruit. Like there's kind of an almond flavor, almost like cherry pits or something mm-hmm. like that. I remember hearing a story. Um, Tom. I can't think of Tom's name. Guy that does Monk's Cafe out in Philly, Tom Peters. I uh, was telling me a story. He orders special casks, mm. and one, you know, the um, one of the casks I had when I was out there for Philly Beer Week was J.W. Lee's in a leg of woolen cask, right? But he had done ones. I don't remember the detail, but it was a creek or something 
with cherries added to it and whole cherries with cherry pits and the cherry he said the cherry pits had actually dissolved and it aged wow i don't know how that happens i don't know if it's apocryphal but uh that's the story that i got well and when you taste this you taste some cherry pit flavor i mean why wouldn't they if you think about it the cherry pit is just it's essentially a seed it has this uh it's hard, but it still has an endosperm inside of it. It still has, yeah. you know, all the... Yeah, it, the, the seed's got to soften to sprout mm-hmm. at some point, so. But when I taste this, I taste that kind of this, like, almondy, you know, endo, you know, like, kind of that, that type tape flavor mm-hmm. coming off of this. Hmm. This is pretty good. Yeah, it's... <laughs> One, I mean, in an era where people know how to use fruit in beer, mm-hmm. this is still an exceptional use of fruit in beer. Yeah. <laughs> Any, like, medicine stuff is just hidden by uh, the, maybe it's the wood aging that's going on, or the just the the right kind of malt combination. Yeah, I just don't think it's medicine medicine, right? I think it's just, you know it it's also I mean there's a there's a little bit of tartness in there, a little bit of puckering. But I mean it's not and maybe maybe the statement's coming from someone just too jaded. I was gonna say it's not really sour sour, right? It's not like I remember oh, it's plenty sour. Yeah, it's plenty sour, you're yeah. right. Yeah. It it's not blow you away sour. It's not pink drank sour. But it doesn't have to be. In fact, it kind of it would detract from it if it were. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. This is this is really good. This is probably one of the my you know most enjoyable creeks I can remember drinking. Very highly carbonated. I'll, give it, I'll say that mm-hmm. it, it works with the beer, though. Yeah, uh, it the gives carbonation it a bit of a... level feels spot on for mm-hmm. me. <laughs> Hmm. Pretty good show so far. Who would have thought? If we picked four whales, who would have thought we had a, <laughs> a good show? Now we'll see if the two thousand. This is seven percent. This is twenty sixteen Creek. They might they might have not updated their stuff. So okay. this well, is uh, even less alcohol in it than we thought. Yay. You don't really need the alcohol when a beer tastes like that, other than the flavor that mm-hmm. helps support the beer. That was oh. really, really good. This last beer. Don't, don't open that. I, I, I will not drink this without you. I promise. The um, there's a G on the cap, so that means this beer was provided by Gary. Hey, probably Gary. many years ago. Thank you, Gary. Okay, so this is one of the. Uh, very old beers that we have. I have a 2001 version of this. <laughs> wow, pre-craft beer. And the 2005 version of this. And a 2005. In 2001, I picked up at the brewery in Juneau, Alaska. So, so this Alaskan brewing beer is called Smoked Porter. And this is the 2006 vintage of Smoked Porter. So... Six years later, or maybe five, no. they put it in the winter. 
You know it's 2016. 2016, I apologize. Ten (laughs) years later. uh, Or just nine. Ten. Let's round up. (laughs) Um... Yeah, so Alaskan smoked porter. The the most it's a smoked porter. The most interesting thing about this beer is that they smoke it at a salmon smokery. Mm-hmm. So they use alder wood, which has a very distinct flavor. Um, I haven't had this beer in years, right? I'm not going to say that it tastes fishy, but you can definitely smell what alder does to beer when yeah. you when you compare this to the salmon that you've had. To give you an example, you can get a similar kind of cure. There's no kind of smoke uh, from, like, bacon on other uh, types of drinks and or uh, food. But it's not doesn't necessarily mean it has bacon in it, but you get a very similar smoke. So this, this is the same concept, but with smoked salmon. Yes. Yeah. The, the smoke is still very potent in the nose. It, um... Uh... It doesn't smell fishy, salmon-y to me at all, really. It smells... I get a little bit of that, but I also get something that's kind of like cherry wood smoke or something like that. It, it does feel like the smoke's evolved a bit, but yeah, yeah. I, I do smell that smoke salmon smoke, but it also... It smells more like smoke to me than it does like a, yeah. a fishy thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it smells... I think there's like a... It smells a bit mesquite. It smells a bit mm-hmm. cherry, you know, as opposed to... Fish and not just beer. Just plain old, just straight fish. 6.5% alcohol by volume, 45 IBUs. This is at least the one they have on their website. Mm-hmm. This is 10 years ago, so who knows if right. something's changed. They say five types of malt and two varieties of hops. I don't think the hops are... Based on the aroma, <laughs> the hops are not exactly playing a major role. No, I don't think they're going to uh, act very strongly in this one. Pretty smooth, a little bit smoke in the, or a lot of smoke in the front, <laughs> and then it's uh, it, then it goes builds. up. Yeah. yeah, it builds up for sure. Actually, the second sip, I, I didn't notice it as much, but let me take another one here. Wow, this has been a unique <laughs> set of fears, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it has a pretty mellow overall smoke character, right? Well, yeah, there's the smoke is significant, but it's nowhere near harsh. It's right, right. perfectly, perfectly drinkable. There's no, it doesn't feel ashy at all or have a astringency to it. Mm-hmm. You get smoke and you get a real smoke character, but any of the astringency and sort of burn quality you get from other smoke beers is not there. Yeah. I am getting things that remind me of the flavor that's in salmon, but it's not fishy. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely has a grain type flavor to it. You know, you can taste the barley. You can taste. Uh, it's not really too like I said. Like Greg said, it wasn't very astringent. It's not very oxidized for ten years. Yeah, they put good caps on it, didn't they? What else is there to say? This word vocabulary is failing us. Like the nuance it's... of a big smoke porter. Well, I, I think the the thing to capture here is that uh, 
there isn't a lot of nuance. I think this this is comparable, I think, to the raison d'etre in that it's it's playing a maybe a very simple melody, but it's, it's a very uh, pretty melody. Yeah. Okay. So you're you're not going totally complicated like you were in the Sonoma Pride, where it's where it's like a, um, Rachmaninoff, like <laughs> something like that, where he, he, appreciating where it doesn't go is as important as appreciating where it does. Right. Uh, these are, like I said, little like little nursery rhymes. But those nursery rhymes, those earworms that you that you remember, <laughs> you remember like do you have an idea? You 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 remember your mom singing this to you? So it makes you feel nice. These kind of go to bed, little baby. <laughs> drink your smoke porter. I think this has been a. A four-beer show that's one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ranking. The thing is, there's they're so different. Yeah. That, like, some shows, like, it's hard to rank because two beers are similar but very good. Yeah. This is four completely different beers that are very good. So now we have to choose. It's not going to be describing why one's better than the other. It's going to be to be describing why we chose the... Why, why are preferences this way? Yeah, yeah. I think we would all recommend these beers for various different reasons. Like I said, the Sonoma Pride is one where uh, I, I would just say it it's not that uh, – I don't want to discourage people. I just it, it, it feels to me like you need a lot of experience with tasting beer to really appreciate it. I could be totally wrong. I could be completely yeah, wrong. I that. agree with you on it though, but I mean we both could be wrong. You want to move on to the ranking part yeah, of the show? Yeah, let's do it. All right. I don't know, man. All right. <laughs> I'll, I'll give my shot. So my number four is going to be Sonoma Pride. And the only reason is because the thing that thing I just mentioned. I feel like it's sort of the least accessible. Uh, I think it's fantastic. I think what it's doing is, is very beautiful. But it's like one of those... I mean, everyone's been been to one of those art shows or something where you see a, a piece of art you just don't get. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Why is that? Why are people buying that? What, what is the point? And the art critics are saying, "Are you kidding? Look at the majesty." Mm-hmm. I, I feel like either we're being pretentious, <laughs> or we are appreciating whatever those art critics are appreciating with right. this beer. I, I, I that's a good analogy. I, I think you're right. Uh, number three, I'm going to put the dogfish head. Uh, I, I, I did like it a lot. It, it was, hmm, I, I don't have a, a, I mean, it's just preference. I don't have a good, good reason for ranking it any lower than any other beer. So I gonna have to go with things that are just completely not good reasons. I kind of felt like a li- just a little on the sweet side. Um, maybe I was looking for something that was a little more complex in the flavor, but I'm not complaining. Right. I hear you. Uh, it's, it's number three in preference, but it could easily be number one. It's an excellent, excellent beer. All these could easily be number one. Number two, I'm going to put the Alaskan as my number two. 
Uh, I really like what the smoke is doing here. I really like the... <laughs> yeah, I still think it's fantastic what they do with... I mean, this is, again, it's it's a 10-year-old beer. If we tasted a fresh one, I don't know how well it would compare. You hear that, Andy? If we tasted a fresh one. I've been trying to line up... So I have four of these in the fridge, right? And I've been trying to line up a new smoke porter mm-hmm. so we could do a smoke porter vertical. And every time I talk to the guy at Alaska Brewing, he's like, oh, yeah, I'll get that out to you. It's been like <laughs> five years. Uh, and that at least my number one is the creek. And the reason why I'm going with that is, again, not a totally rational reason, but it's, it's as I said in the show, brewers have learned how to use fruit very well. And this is still ranks as one of the best uses of fruit I've ever tasted in a beer. That's something really special. And so that's why I'm putting this as number one. All right. I, it's tough. They're, all the beers were delicious. I enjoyed every last one of them. Hard Luck Loser is going to be the smoke porter for me. I, I, and that's just because uh, it was kind for me, compared to the other beers, it was kind of just playing that very simple melody, right? It did what it did. It aged wonderfully for 10 years. No complaints. The beer is not too old. The beer is still delicious. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's hard luck because, you know, the three beers had things that I found more interesting in it. Sure. In second place. Third. <laughs> yes. That, the other second place. I'm the one who's high. <laughs> <laughs> in the other second place, third place. That's right. I, I, I thought that... First the, place is easy. Second, 2016 was six years. <laughs> so first place is easy. It's going to be the Transatlantic Creek, right? So for spoilers. Uh, second and third are hard. I think I'm going to put the Sonoma Pride in third place. I, I thought it was... Like, the talk about that whole, like, I enjoyed it for what it didn't give me. Mm-hmm. And... It, that that sounds so cliche and goofy, but because it didn't give me things I was expecting, I was able to taste the things like the radish yeah. and other and the coriander, and I really enjoyed what I was able to appreciate because how quiet everything else was. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason it's in third place is because I was surprised and impressed about how much I like the raison d'extra. Mm. Uh, and really, you know, that booted the Sonoma Pride to, to the Amasa to third place. The Resident Extra, I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. It, you know, it was a barley wine-esque thing. Raisins were good. The alcohol gave it this nice liqueur type character to it. I, I liked it a lot more than I expected to like that beer. Um, really nailed it. But that Transatlantic Creek, you said it was like one of the best uses of fruit you've ever had. I'm with you. That was delicious. That was amazing. Uh, yeah, the New Belgium, Old, Bur- Old Brazil, um, Translated Creek. You need to go find that beer. It's out on the shelves now. Heather picked that up for me at Giant Eagle uh, just this week. So go get it. It will complete your 420 experience. Or your 421, 422, whatever. And, yeah, any experience, really. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Craft Beer Radio. Really do appreciate you taking the time to turn in over all these years. Uh, turn in. Tune in. 
Tune in, that's what I meant to say. Tune in, turn out, <laughs> drop yeah. us. There you Something go. Like that. That's about LSD, that's not about yeah. me. Anyway, Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. If you'd like to contact us, you can contact us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. You can hit me up at Jeff Bear on Twitter. I want to see how fast you can do that and then compare it to the Micro Machines guy. <laughs> I'm at CBR Greg. <laughs> um, you can hit us both up on at Craft Beer Radio. And, uh, no, no, I no, lost it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, I'll practice, practice for next practice. time. I'll practice for next time. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.